0: Welcome to We're Too Literary. I'm your host, Jonathan. And I'm Kenny. And we are talking about Hocus Pocus 2. Just going to jump right into it. Halloween episode number two. Yes, we actually got to part two. We did. I said... I know. You said you put it out there and we lived up to it. It was amazing. I appreciate that.
1: Achieving goals. Let's go.
0: Who so right off the bat, I watched it twice and I enjoyed the movie. It was it brought me back to my childhood. I thought it was an awesome film. I mean, it's you know, it's not a big picture thing. I mean, it it
1: did well playing on the small screen. I was happy to see it and it was excellent. Agreed. Yeah. I also watched it twice. (laughs) I thought it was great, both times. It was actually, yeah, very entertaining. It brought me back to my youth as well made me feel like I was watching the original Hocus Pocus again, but modernized, like that kind of feeling. Oh, yeah. It really came to life in a way that I didn't think that they could pull off because, again, it felt like that first time watching hocus pocus like did that go to theaters originally or was that uh I'm, I'm pretty movie? Sure, pretty sure it was in theaters i have you know i'm
0: probably making up but i have vivid memories of watching it in theaters with like my mom because my mom is a huge bet midler fan i've seen probably most of her movies because of
1: it. <laughs> it it's funny i should know better about this because the movie came out in 1993 the original and correct i was Pretty young at the time. Very young at the time. Let's be real here. But I feel like I would have remembered seeing that in theaters. I don't know. Either way, it felt like watching it when I was still a kid. And that's what was really cool about this was they kept that authenticity of it. It didn't necessarily feel old school, but it kept the feeling of how the original kind of carried you. You know, it was exciting the whole way through. It was fun and just. A well-rounded sequel which right. is uncommon and yeah we'll go back just a set because we have the
0: wonderful google machine and yes hocus pocus was released in theaters it did not do well in theaters but it was released oh that's a shame yeah potentially it lost disney something to the tune of like 16 and a half million dollars no way wow, wow. but because, you know, since then, it has aired like almost every year on Disney Channel or Freeform or ABC. It has picked up a new audience, hence Focus Focus 2.
1: Yeah, well, and I'll jump into right into one of the interesting bits of, of trivia that I did learn about it is that Bette Midler was like the main reason this movie came back. The She's one of the biggest reasons it became a reality again. I guess she realized how popular the original film was based on a lot of the fan input and based on how a lot of the fans were coming back saying, we love it. We really enjoyed the, you know, Hocus Pocus one. And she was so surprised by that, that apparently she went out there and and pushed to talk to different studios about bringing it back to life. And she, I guess, did it yearly for a while. Really? Yeah. She was calling the studio once a year, just being like, how about it? and uh, they finally bit and probably because disney like you just said disney lost a lot of money on it when it went to theaters they probably didn't feel like it was as much of a risk now that it was straight to disney plus
0: well that's an interesting thing to you know i wonder about that because i mean obviously there's not a theatrical showing so there's no recouping their losses they're just right. you know can they tie any increase in viewership or subscriptions to a release like this to you know kind of correlate and be like yeah this made us money because it brought in these kind of viewers or yeah. you know is it like a netflix thing where it's just a number of minutes or hours watched of it makes them go okay yeah it was worth it because of this which i think makes it a little bit harder to you know green light like a sequel you know because i i know i've read that they have talked about wanting to do a hocus pocus three, like most of the main cast by main cast. I'm assuming, you know, the three sisters or the three witches rather are all down to come back.
1: Yeah. And actually that was another thing that I had heard about that discussing aspects of getting hocus pocus to, to, uh, to the screen was that she would be interested in a franchise, which I don't know about that (laughs) because That's, you know, that's, we don't want to ruin the magic that is hocus pocus, no pun intended, by turning it into something that did it for too long. You know, I appreciate what they did with the second one here. And once we get kind of down to talking about some of the elements of the movie, well, I felt like there was the suggestion that there could be a continuation if they wanted to, they don't have to. But They kind of alluded to the idea that, you know, not everything is.
0: Oh, yeah. And there's definitely quite a number of things that the left open ended that we'll get into. And on that note, why don't we start
1: spoiling the movie for everybody? Why don't we? I mean, once again, if you haven't watched it, that's the whole point here. (laughs) Yeah, we should have just named ourselves. We're too spoilery. We should should have have named named ourselves. You should have watched it first. (laughs) Ooh, I like that one actually yeah that's not bad <laughs> anyway yeah this is the part of the episode where we give you that one last friendly reminder that spoilers are ahead as we get into discussing what was a really wonderful throwback to a classic halloween movie yes it was very it warmed the cockles of my heart good use of the word cockles i do enjoy that word <laughs> <laughs> all right yeah let's uh, let's jump right into it so really appreciated that this movie gave us context that we didn't have before in the form of introducing us to their young counterparts the three sanderson sisters together as like Winifred was just turning 16 i believe correct and that's a theme
0: that goes throughout the movie is you know turning 16 and you know getting witchy powers and stuff it
1: yeah and so we start off in old salem and it's like I want to say the year 1650 something like it's super early on. But yeah, it's Winifred's 16th birthday. She comes storming through the town just in a huff. And when you finally see her, when you finally see her, she is a great representation of a young Bette Midler being Winifred with her big old front teeth. (laughs) Yes, that same like sass that you can get
0: to see Bette Midler, you know, lay on thick later. This young Winifred is just off the chart. You can tell who she's supposed to be. And on that matter, like, all three of them just do a great job of channeling, like, the older version of themselves.
1: Yeah. Honestly, it was really solid. And the same went for young Mary and young Sarah. Both of those two did an excellent job representing their older counterparts. And especially young Sarah, like she nailed the just really goofy aspect that you get out of Sarah Jessica Parker's character later on when she's older. It's just it's really on the nose.
0: It is, which brings me to a slight. I'm, you know, maybe I need to do some research, but whenever they're doing like these back in the day scenes or movies and they're speaking ye old English. I, do they, did they actually speak like that? Cause that is just weird. Maybe they did. And I just don't know enough,
1: but it always just reverberates the wrong way with me. You don't know that they spoke thusly. Did they? I don't know. Did I get that right? I just, <laughs> it sounded like it. it sounded good. That was nice. So we, we get, introduced to the to the young sanderson sisters right off the bat and it starts out with the sisters you know saying happy birthday to winifred and you see she's all upset and from there we see this whole notion unfold that it's old times and she is intended to marry because the father is no longer the picture and i'm actually trying to remember did he pass was that what happened? Is he died? I believe so. I don't think they really go into him than he's not around. And the
0: Reverend is like responsible for him now.
1: Right. And so the Reverend's forcing Winifred to marry a young lad that she's not interested in marrying. And as she's conversing with her sisters, we find out very quickly that they are not normal. What would be considered normal young ladies? They are very witchy. They're into the, they're into some weird shit. They yeah. make
0: some gelatin, which was, I don't, do they have gelatin back then? They figured out how to, you know, grind up some hooves and make gelatin. Oh, yeah. yeah.
1: Oh. And then added like blood to it amongst some other stuff. They were excited about the gelatin, but nobody else there. was. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and they proceed to also give her a birthday gift, which happens to be a very spooky looking spider. But I was also curious about this, and I don't know why I took the time to look it up, but it turns out that the spider that was in the box is actually a a real. uh, It is a real spider. It's a golden silk orb weaver,
0: which coincidentally now is completely harmless to humans.
1: Yup. That was what I found out. And I was like, wow, they're large. They look uncomfortably big i'm not a fan of spiders everybody i just want to put Mm. that out there i'm not i will i will jump on that not afraid of them i just find them very gross that's unnerving yeah uncomfy they just leave you feeling like you're being watched and they're also just (laughs) i don't know anyway (laughs) point being this golden silk orb weaver is actually unable to bite us because they can't pierce the skin and so they're kind of like Daddy Longlegs, which I thought was just interesting. But I guess some argue that Daddy Long Legs aren't actually a spider either.
0: Yeah, there's a whole thing. We could do a whole podcast on that. Sure.
1: Yeah, we won't. <laughs> no, I do not need to know more spider facts than I already do. Yep, we'll move on from the spider facts. But that's the gift that the sisters give to Winifred. And it's like, oh, that's what you're into. That's yep. You guys are definitely on the right track to, to be in witches and Then there is a rap on the door as we are introduced to the Reverend, who I took a hot second to recognize. But when I did, I was like, oh, my gosh, it's Tony Hale. And he did such a good job. To me, the right amount of like over the top, just ridiculous and like fit in well with the theme of the movie. So well. And yeah. He was just fun right off the bat. So Reverend shows up, knocks on the door, tells Winifred that she's she either marries or she's banished from Salem forever. And that's when we get into it. She straight up tells him, no, she's not going to marry that kid. And he says, get the heck out of Salem. And she's like, fine. But then he's like, get your sisters. And shit hits the fan. Oh, and you have to remember, she said no,
0: because... Really, she wants to marry Billy. Oh, that's that's her right. Of yeah, you know, they
1: shared that kiss that one time. I forgot that Billy's standing out in the crowd, and she's like, "But I want to marry Billy Butcherson," and Billy's like, "Why me?" Yeah, <laughs> yeah that was really funny. What happens when you kiss a witch, right? And the whole time, but we'll yep circle back to that. <laughs> And so the reverend demands the sisters be taken away and Winifred's the only one being banned from Salem which we're like oh she's not going to be with her sisters so a whole chaos ensues the spider gets onto the reverend and that gives them the out to to run into the forest where once they're in the forest we're like oh now the real spookiness starts to settle in cuz it's a dark forest it's forbidden and Sarah's like but we shan't go in there it's forbidden Like, but that's how we get away. That's they're not gonna follow us into a forbidden forest. Yeah. Anytime a forbidden forest shows up, somebody's going in that damn thing. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, what's the point of having a forbidden forest if you're not gonna go in it? Am I right? That's fair. It's very fair. (laughs) And that is where the story gets really interesting because that old song from the original with Sarah Jessica Parker being like, "Comet." little children i'll take thee away that's as much as i can probably sing without getting in trouble beautiful thank you loved it (laughs) you did so good and i was like oh my gosh it's the song and then there's a raven up in the trees that comes swooping down and i called it when we watched this i was like that's gonna turn into somebody and sure (laughs) enough (laughs) i mean it was obvious i mean
0: it was i mean it was a raven with like a red shoulder cloak or something on it. It stood out. I mean, it unless did. that's a real raven. But yes, yeah. that raven did turn into somebody who I believe. I mean, we, one of the disappointing things I had about the movie is this raven turns into Hannah Waddingham, who I love. I mean, watching her and Ted Lasso has been amazing. I've enjoyed seeing her show up here and I was hoping for more, but she's only in this one scene. Yeah. But I, do believe she is probably the mother that they reference? You know, remember they mentioned the mother in Hocus Pocus 2, But if you watch Hocus Pocus one, they definitely talk about you know mother a couple times. I would, oh that
1: is Hannah's character. See, I didn't catch that when I rewatched recently. I'll have to I'll have to look into that again. Yeah, so she shows up and is about to try and take the souls of the little ones of the little sisters and Winnie. Comes rushing up to save Sarah and she catches a whiff of her and realizes that, well, would you imagine that? She's a witch too. But yeah, she plays Mother Witch and her role, albeit super short, was really good. She had just like the right mixture of all of their mannerisms almost. Like she was just silly, but also beautiful and scary. (laughs) And then she never shows up again. Yeah.
0: What the shit? I need more. You know, let's make a third one, and she can be a main
1: character there. That's yeah, what I need—that would be great. Now, this is where we'll jump in and say that the the moment that is had here is a big buildup to the rest of the movie. Uh, she recognizes that Winnie's a witch, and offers her the book. You know, you, her book of spells, and the book goes to Winnie, and she opens it up and starts looking through, and comes across a really dangerous spell called Magic Eye Maxima. And we learned that this spell comes with a warning. And what I thought was interesting, because later on it's brought up again, is that the spell's warning was actually delivered initially by Mother Witch. She flat out tells Winifred, like, don't do that spell. Not only does the book not want it to be performed, but she tells Winnie what the warning actually is in that moment that it takes away what she values most. And so we'll get back into that in a little bit, but book shows yes. up
0: foreshadowing
1: Hint Yeah. <laughs> big, big foreshadowing, frankly. <laughs> so
0: again, a nice bit of foreshadowing here in the early stages, Hannah's character who I, don't believe we're given a name. Her eyes glow purple during the scene, which definitely comes into play at the end. So, shortly after the scene, you know, we get the girls back into town to get their little bit of revenge and show their dark path down, you know, witchhood. And they set fire to the Reverend's house and cackle. I personally thought they should have gotten the fuck out of there pretty quickly, but they felt
1: they needed to stand around for like a minute
0: laughing while they watched, you know, the
1: building burn. I was waiting. I They came up over the edge of that house and they light a fire to the Reverend's house and it's going off. And I loved his bit where he comes out, Reverend Trask comes out and he goes, <laughs> this is the work of the spider. <laughs> like, he's thinking that the spider is some kind of devil spider or something, right? But they're standing there in like broad open space. And I'm just like, is somebody going to notice the three of them just watching this house burn and not assume that it has anything to do with them especially
0: when they're laughing
1: yeah yeah they're special yeah they were actually full-on being obvious about it but no it's the work of the spider don't worry about it and then we flash forward yeah i mean we're done with this little origin story for
0: the Sanderson Sisters, which I loved. You know, it didn't drag on too long. I was worried it was going to be like a third of the movie, but it was about the first twelve minutes or so, and then we speed past to present day to you know the main story that we're going to get into. And first thing we see is a raven flying on screen, which I was like, "Sweet!" And it's going to show up again, and she
1: fucking doesn't. She just doesn't does she she never makes it in only as the raven only as the Raven. Yeah. i will say that we at least so and according to imdb our wonderful sources of information she is known as the witch mother but i don't know that they ever brought that up i don't name. believe so so but then that's where we're introduced to to the new girls of salem yes to two of the three of the coven Yep. I believe, yes. That was uh, Becca and Izzy. And we learned that Cassie hasn't really been around as much. Yep. But we've got our three new main girls for for this new Hocus Pocus future. And so we're brought to present
0: day. And, you know, a cool little element was one of the girls, Izzy, talks about her mom. And then from and she always refers to her as my mom, but she's a cool mom. So all her friends all call her Susan. or izzy's friends all call izzy's mom
1: susan i mean even izzy says susan at one point so i thought Did that she? was weird at first yeah when she called her mom susan i was like is she your step or is it just the relationship you have with your mother weird
0: because like yeah i thought that the first time but i didn't catch it the second time so i thought maybe it was a it's always my mom and then susan from everybody else but regardless like yeah it's a interesting little way to develop some of the context for the characters yeah
1: and my favorite part was when we got to meet cassie's parent her dad whom i don't ever think we hear about mother trask at all anyway no,
0: nobody has both parents in this movie man holy crap you're right
1: i don't think becca has any parents we never saw becca's parents i never thought about that We don't even hear about them. I'm pretty sure you're right. I don't think we do. And the in Hocus Focus one, the parents were actually kind of a big focal point. They definitely played some significant roles in that movie because they were there the whole time. That's funny. I didn't notice that. Anyway, yeah. But we learned that Cassie's dad is Mayor Trask, played once again by Tony Hale. Woo! Tony's back. I was really appreciative of the fact that it was a, like, lineage carried on sort of thing, and it happened to be, like, an identical match, (laughs) sort of. Yes. Like, oh, yeah, you look just like your great whatever. Hey, you know (laughs) what?
0: I've seen enough posts on Reddit comparing generations ago to some dude current day, and it happens.
1: I I mean, weird. There's that one picture circulating on the internet of how Keanu Reeves is apparently immortal because there's some representation of him in art from centuries ago. There's like six different pictures that look like it could be Keanu Reeves. Man is immortal. The man is immortal. And I'm more than happy for that. (laughs) But as we're introduced to this new mayor, he's actually nothing like his reverend forefather or whatever. So, you kind of have a suspicion right off the bat, but it turns out eh, he's not so bad. He has a really great role throughout the whole movie. And then, shortly after that, the girls head to the magic shop where we meet Gilbert the Great, right? That was Gilbert the Great. Yes, that was Gilbert the Great who regales us with the tale of the Sanderson sisters and does this fun little bit where he makes a melted black flame candle return to its original form all the while it returned you know to its original form in led format (laughs) that yeah it very campy that's that's when the they have this fun telling the story right and give us a little bit of like the old Sanderson Sisters, which of course gives us a little bit of a hint that, you know, they got to come back somehow. And how else would they do it other than this wonderful introduction to the Black Flame Candle? Right. And, you know, there's also a book like
0: chained down inside a glass case, like yeah. on display, you know, keeping him from everybody else.
1: Yeah, that was indeed the actual book. And so that book being there to begin with was very much a tell to what was to come but he takes the girls they are obviously regulars at the shop because he knows and adores them so he takes them to the secret stash of cool magic items and ends up giving becca what is to be the next black flame candle that's where the party gets started (laughs) we it's a sad sad looking candle it is a depressing candle it's all like wilted and
0: leaning to one side this you know, definitely a dick joke in here
1: definitely looks handmade yeah right <laughs> definitely <laughs> definitely makes you think about it later when you find out that gilbert is the reason that candle exists and you're just like gilbert it's a candle man there's probably molds out there you probably could have done this somehow where it came out looking a little cleaner I mean, he even admits that book helped them figure out how to do it. And I can't imagine it was like, a you have to do this in a way where if you aren't just constantly pouring it out on top of itself. And I feel like there's no reason a mold couldn't have been involved. You know, <laughs> Who knows?
0: I mean, maybe if you use a mold, it doesn't work as well. It has to be handmade.
1: You don't know. You don't you, know the rules. You're right. I don't know the rules. I'm not a witch. So something else context wise that, we didn't mention yet is the girls were doing a Halloween ritual. And they do it every year on Becca's birthday. And so that's where the candle will come into play as we get out into they didn't call it the forbidden forest, but it's very much Salem modern day and the same forest. So we know that's where the Sanderson sisters went to begin with. And that's where they're going to go do their ritual with this new black flame candle. Sure enough, as you might have guessed, the candle definitely does its job otherwise there wouldn't be a movie yeah if it didn't
0: we wouldn't have a movie to watch so i'm thankful it worked out
1: (laughs) and that was a wonderful introduction to the sisters because they come in singing to absolutely no one well which that's not
0: true they were singing to the girls the girls which I love that they point out that these three witches just show up and start singing. Like, what the shit's going on. With.
1: Yeah, Izzy's just like, who are they singing for after a while? And then that's when we get spooked by Sarah popping up out of the blue and going, you! And I was like, that that was awesome. I appreciate that a lot. Well played. Yeah. And they... that Oh, man. That's where we head to Walgreens and they try to convince the sisters that that lotions are the new children's souls skincare care lotions. Hey,
0: they work some magic, supposedly. So maybe there is a little something to it.
1: I want to talk about that just a little bit because I thought it was really funny how they handled that whole situation to kind of put it back on track. We're getting a little derailed by going into the Walgreens and they're going down the aisles looking for the the lotions and what have you that are supposed to help with youth and beauty and there was a couple of things that happened during this whole interaction that i was like okay i'm gonna pull out some plot holes here or not necessarily plot holes but just like nuances whatever you want to call them so number one is when they're all three of the sisters are heading down the aisle they're doing their classic dance where they're just like going back and forth They're side strutting. (laughs) Yeah, they're side strutting, right? And Izzy and Becker are like, all right, let's get out of here. They're distracted. And suddenly, Mary is right in front of them going, where are you going? Come along with us. And she was just going down the aisle. So this is a power that they supposedly have that so rarely gets used when it would have been more convenient. Like just to show up out of the blue back in front of somebody when they thought that they had left them 50 some odd feet on the other side of the store and that is the second time within i don't know five minutes that we see something like this occur where earlier sarah did it right as they were ending the song she suddenly appears in front of them as they were running in the opposite direction of them so it's just like how do they get there so fast maybe it only works when you know kids are involved perhaps but i mean kids were involved the whole movie whatever Uh, yeah Yeah,
0: we'll, we'll, we'll rewrite it and we'll work that part out of it
1: sure yeah getting back on track they handled the whole seeing themselves looking beautiful through the lens of a camera filter and i thought the selfie filter that gave them like little sparklies was great but then freaking out at the rounded mirror when it looked like their faces were just bloated and insane i was like that That was a great way for them to go from one point to the next on transitioning it back to getting on track of these aren't doing anything for us. Where's the children? Give us souls. Correct. It was a fun
0: way to kind of show that off. And then it leads us into our first hint that there's something more going on. You know, the girls manage to get away, but they've got some salt on hand and use that to create a bit of a magic shield that
1: stops winning from being able to hit them. The girls got back to the shop first and Gilbert opened the notice. They noticed that the book was awake.
0: Right. Which gets Gilbert very excited. And, and he immediately the book. Correct. He immediately pulls the book out, opens it up, sends the blasts of light into the sky, summoning the sisters only for us to then find out he is the one responsible for all this, which makes me wonder because we get a view of Gilbert, as a kid back in 1993, when the witches are flying through the town, summoning all the kids to him, then he watches them get defeated. All those kids were supposed to have been enchanted. Yep. So if Gilbert wasn't enchanted, does that mean he has some kind of magic powers? He obviously has to have something because he was able to make
1: the black flame candle. That's a good catch, man. Really good catch. I- It very much suggests that Gilbert's got to have some sort of magical ability to him because all the other kids were, in fact, entranced. And so he should have been as well. And the fact that he wasn't suggests that something kept him from dealing with the effects. So nice little, you know, callback, if you will, to there being some aspect of him also being magical. Right. Which, you know, maybe he really is just Gilbert the Great. I mean, his magic shop is in the Sanderson sisters house. It seemed like that because when the sisters
0: show up, they're like searching it, you know, and like knowing where everything's at, which I find odd because this house was in the middle of the fucking woods before. So do they, you know, relocate it? How did Gilbert afford to relocate it to the to downtown Salem? I feel like that's very expensive. No idea. I'm guessing they built
1: around it, you know,
0: (laughs) I don't. I mean, maybe, but I don't think so.
1: It was out there. Yeah, you're right. I don't know. Who knows? I don't know. They they definitely didn't try to handle that one (laughs) with any uh, any writing as far as being like, yeah, so uh, we just you know decided one day to move this house out of the woods and into town, and then it went up for lease, and now it's a magic shop.
0: (laughs) Who knows? Maybe it's just
1: a recreation of it. Just seems a little odd.
0: Yep. After the sisters are there. You know, they reveal a dungeon, push the two girls in and set Gilbert on a task after, you know, coercing out of him that he still has her hourglass, which then binds him to a legally binding contract.
1: Yeah. His life or, you know, perform successfully. Life binding contract. Ooh, I mean, yeah, so they bring up Magic Eye Maxima again Winnie has clearly forgotten the warning and decides that it's totally worth performing the spell to become the most powerful witches so that they can't die and that's when they send Gilbert off on this task after, you know, coercing him into this life binding agreement to collect all the pieces that they're going to need to perform the spell and once again completely ignoring the warning all the while the girls are trapped underneath the house and having to figure out because the stairs to the basement vanished And there were lots of little sprinkled details earlier on where, what did they call those? It's Angelica leaves. That's what they bought. All right. Angelica leaves that it was a nice little like sprinkled in detail of like, how are we going to get out of this problem that we're going to present later? They use those Angelica leaves because they lift curses to bring back the stairs. And that's where we get the first little hint that Becca is a witch. I mean, we little glowing hands. I think we kind of got that hint closer to with the black flame candle, but it wasn't quite with the glowing hands yet. But yeah, Becca's a little, a uh, little bit of a witch herself, and they managed oh, yeah. to escape the house and head to try and save Cassie because they find out that in the spell of Magic Eye Maxima, they need the blood of their enemy, and their enemy in current day is Mayor Trask because he's related to <laughs> Reverend Trask. And so they're like, we, we got to tell Cassie's dad, we got to go save him. And they run off to try and do that. Well, they're also trying to, like, grab the book and get away with the book. But the book's like, no, I'm going back on the shelf where they left me. So they leave the book, which I thought was silly because I don't look, think they really had a choice. They might not have, although they only tried once that we saw. They were floating in the air and book was like, no, nah, fuck that. I mean, I would have tried again. Just once more to see if maybe the second time it would work. <laughs> Fair enough. But the remainder of the movie is about casting this spell. And Gilbert runs off as instructed to collect those different ingredients. And we finally get to see the glorious zombie himself, Billy Butcherson, as played by one of my favorite actors, Doug Riggin Jones. Yeah, the original Billy, the original Billy. I mean, we got so many callbacks to the originals and it was really great to see all of the core, a lot of the core characters rather, reprise their roles. And I was really happy that Doug Jones was back for Billy Butcherson. Correct.
0: It was a little disappointing that, you know, we get a lot of cool little callbacks. Yeah. You know, to previous things, but the original protagonists never show up, which I was disappointed by. I was hoping for at least... Maybe a little something or a name mention. And there wasn't a name mention. I definitely missed that.
1: Yeah. But yeah, we don't get any Max. We don't get any Danny. We do get a reference to Binks. There is a black
0: cat, which I know you would have preferred and would probably written in a talking black cat. Yeah. But I was okay with just having the black cat.
1: Cobweb, which is such an interesting name for a cat, but I'll take it he was cute he was cute he didn't look like a cobweb cobwebs are awful that's fair i'll
0: give you that cobwebs are awful
1: but yeah so we finally get to see billy butcherson again he's back and just as wonderfully snarky as ever and he's also one of the ingredients he's the head of a lover which means we're gonna get to see billy without his head again at some point yes yeah a lover that she kissed once and the truth of it was that he was actually in love with Sarah.
0: He was in love with Sarah, and yet some horrible rumors spread. And,
1: you know, next thing you know, Billy is Winnie's lover. Because one kiss. Oh, poor Billy. Now that we have Billy back, Billy and Gilbert are about to go off and pull some shenanigans as they try to collect the remaining ingredients, which he has failed to mention to Billy that, you know, his head is part of the spell. But that comes into play later. What I really enjoyed was the fact that they did this cut to Sanderson sisters and they're actually trying to make their way through the same bash Halloween bash that's going on. And they stumble across somebody who tells them, oh, you must be looking for the stage. And they find themselves on the stage where they're having a Sanderson sisters costume contest. (laughs) And there are some ridiculous costumes that are trying to look like the Sanderson sisters. Right. You get some that look like they just, you know, grab some clothes out of their closet,
0: threw them on and showed up. And then yep. you get some that, you know, definitely some nice cosplay. They put some effort into that. Made yep.
1: it work. And I really, really enjoyed the drag versions of them. The ones that Winifred ends up having a little bit of a back and forth with where... <laughs> she actually manages to get the other one to turn their nose up like oh you wound me kind of thing right and then also mary going up to the one that just looks like it it's not drag in the same sense it's actually just bearded men wearing witches outfits and she goes up and she's just like is that what i look like damn Damn, we look good i don't know we look foxy we look foxy I was like no what is happening they're making such a big to do about their looks throughout this whole thing and she sees this guy looking like her and goes wow we look amazing man no no good (laughs) no but they're looking for Trask and they win this well they actually don't win the costume contest even as the originals they don't win some other set wins and then they very embarrassingly take the trophy anyway.
0: Yes, they rip it. Like, it's a, I don't think they were teenagers, but it was, you know, some younger women dressed up in some pretty nice costumes, and they just rip the trophy away from them. And they're like, no, this is some bullshit. And then we get to launch into this movie's musical number, which was... I don't know. It was excellent. It was enjoyable. It reminded me of the first one. You know, in the first one, we're watching... Fuck, what was it called? He just said it. I Put a Spell on You. Thank you. In the first one, we're watching them saying I Put a Spell on You, which unlike kenny i am not going to recite for you if he feels like you know <laughs> yeah. regaling you with his singing talent he can go for it not that one <laughs> but yeah no, i don't blame you <laughs> but, Yeah, they launch into a musical number of uh, one way or another and i thought it was interesting i looked this up and both musical numbers start at the exact same time at
1: 58 minutes and 30 seconds yeah that's crazy 58 minutes 30 seconds on the dot and they both start the same kind of song because the whole point of this song was to also put everybody under a trance and get them to go track down trask for them and so very slowly mind you (laughs) doing the thriller dance i'm pretty sure the whole way they just and i loved it even more that in in the first one right it was i put a spell on you and it entrances the kids and the kids all make their way to a central location but i don't think that by the time they they reach their destination the trance necessarily ended but in this case all of them go looking for trask like you said very slowly thriller dancing it the whole way and by the time they finally do find trask a little later on they all reach out and touch him and he's like you know freaking out he's like i'm in a flash mob this is I've he's, seen these <laughs> he's so happy and he, it, it's right after he got his caramel apple too and that was honestly the meanest thing that happened throughout this whole interaction was that he comes around to find out that his caramel apple is gone some son of a bitch in the flash mob stole his caramel apple right it just grabbed it and took it from him and the thing that really got me though was that when they find him they're all just like what are we doing here? And then they turn around and they walk away and it's like, well, they did what they were told. They went and found Trask, but it's not like they led the sisters there.
0: No, and maybe the sisters need to get better about their exact wording. They didn't say they had to bring Trask to them or bring them to Trask. They just had to go find Trask. Right. They found them and they're like, oh, peace out. Oh, so that was, really, that was a really good bit. After losing his apple, Trask is... I was very sad and heads home. Yeah, he's just defeated. He's had a rough day. It's. I'm very sad for him. I mean, it's always rough to see Tony Hale just sad.
1: I don't think we emphasized it enough, but he spent the vast majority of this Halloween bash just standing in line for one of these caramel apples. And I failed to mention earlier that the initial time when we saw that couple who were dressed up like some original characters from Hocus Pocus one, Trask gets a phone call from, from Becca saying that Cassie's throwing a house party. And so he rushes, he loses his place in line and he rushes home to take care of that. So this whole time we're just watching Trask try to get a caramel apple and fail to do so until he finally gets home and gets out of his car with a very sad caramel apple from the store walgreens mind you oh yeah it was walgreens because he talks about the fact that the sisters earlier blew out the lights when the girls were trying to escape and he's like what walgreens turns out their lights that's right every walgreens i've been in has been well lit very well lit all the time there's never a time when it's not i'm pretty sure no not all walgreens are 24 hours are they (laughs) no that would be I, i think some of them but yeah not all anyway the Sisters are actually trapped inside of Trask's garage, surrounded by salt, because the girls bested them again after they were trying to chase down Cassie when they realized that Cassie was a Trask descendant. And so the girls think they got him trapped, but. And they did pretty successfully. They did. Yeah. Until, you know, a
0: little another nice, like Easter egg kind of referencing the first is back when they're at Walgreens earlier they have to find brooms so they can fly off. Winnie, as always, has a broom. But this time, Sarah finds a Swiffer wet jet or a Swiffer mop. And Mary, again, finds herself a vacuum. Except this time, it is two Roombas she calls broomies. Yep. And it's hilarious watching her trying to, like, balance on these as she flies through the sky. And... I don't know Roombas enough, but they have like glowing red
1: lights. Just give that little extra little evilness to them. Yeah, I love the touch with the visual aspect. Also, the whole time she has to ride around on these things, she has to stand. So at least before when it was a regular vacuum with a bag, she was able to ride it. And this time with it being Roombas or yeah, Roombas. He calls them Broomies. I'm calling them
0: Roombas. I'm sure there's some kind of knockoff because I don't think I've seen a Roomba with a red light that big on.
1: Yeah, no, I just legit couldn't remember the name of those robot vacuums for a moment because I have oh, yeah. a Roombas. I have a robot vacuum from Wise and I'm now going to name it Broomie. Nice, I'd like it. <laughs> just as a nice little, you know, tribute to the movie. But yeah, they show up out of nowhere, those little Broomies, and they, they do what Broomies do best. They sweep that salt right up. And because of that, they're finally free. And they
0: snatch up Cassian, you know, right off into Moonset.
1: I was going to say, you're not going to say sunset. because <laughs> Correct. Because it's night and you know, they have to get shit done before the sun comes up. And if the sun were up, they'd be gone. Yeah, exactly. exactly. So we're in the final act they're about to get to doing the incantation to make the spell of Magic Eye Maxima happen. And they managed to get everybody to head out into the Forbidden Forest. Billy and Gilbert have taken care of collecting all the things. There's a nice little moment between Billy and Gilbert earlier on too, where Billy calls him out, being like, man, you're just cursed. They got you with their hourglass. They're just trying to get you to do their bidding. And I'm not going to be a part of this anymore. And then Gilbert, because he's just such a nice guy, somehow manages to convince Billy, just help me out. And then I'll spread the word that you were not a lover of Winifred. And that's enough for Billy. And so they all end up convening in oh. this location after he betrays him.
0: Correct. Certain I mean, that's how it starts. Then he finds out that he's cursed by the hourglass and Gilbert has to chase Billy down the street and rip his head off.
1: Literally. And he does. And then he, he runs does. away with it like an asshole. Who does that to a zombie who's nice? Honestly. Correct. He wasn't trying to eat his brains. He doesn't even understand why they expect him to try and eat them. Yeah, That's just a that's just a silly thing that was made up so that it could be gross. <laughs> so they all end up around this sacred spot because that's part of the spell. It's got to be sacred. And that's where Winifred starts doing the deed of doing some witchy things, not reading the warning labels. Let this be a lesson, everyone. There's a reason that warning labels exist. OK, if you're going to do something stupid, that's fine.
0: Just read all the warning labels involved. Read any SDS sheets you can find.
1: <laughs> right. So as you would expect, they pull it off. The girls try and stop them. They free Cassie. They try and prevent all this from happening, but the ingredients were combined. They managed to finish out the incantation. They do,
0: but during the this, you know, altercation as a pre-Cassie, Becca finally figures out that, yes, she does have magic. She is able to, you know, deflect Winnie's attacks and create a shield. And even with the help of her friends, her coven, they she becomes more powerful and they're all able to create a stronger shield that slows winnie down and they all fly off leaving the girls behind to finish up the spell and cast it magic is meant to be shared which you know winnie is too caught up in the moment she does not realize that she doesn't think about it nope and so with the spell finished winnie's eyes glow purple which made me think of mother witch back at the beginning and i wonder if she casts a spell as well, which is why she was so adamant about
1: them not casting. Because she
0: knew what would happen.
1: Yeah, that and when they interact with her in the very beginning, Winifred asks, but what of your coven? And she says, my coven has been gone a long time, which was to me a very nice way of saying, I did the spell. I know what happened when I did the spell. And so I'm warning you not to do it. But it's also, I mean, if you nitpick this far, which I will for a moment, if she just told him up front, like, hey, it looks to me like your sisters are the most important thing in your life. So if you do this spell, you're probably going to lose them, just so you know. Okay, if anybody ever
0: tells anybody else the The truth, truth, we'd have no stories, man.
1: Exactly. (laughs) I mean, yeah. That's why I said, if you're going to nitpick it that far, but that's what I right. did. Yes.
0: Yeah. You should definitely have just be like, hey, I know what happens. This is what happens. But, Don't inst-
1: but instead. Yeah. So oh, it worked for 300 years. They didn't cast it. Yeah. And Winnie takes a moment with their, her sisters. They both feel like they're, they all feel like they're all powerful now. They've been doing this little dance where they've been casting stuff. In fact, I think prior to them completing the incantation, they were also showing that they had already they're already experiencing greater power than they had which is why they were you know trying to battle the girls and the girls figured out that sharing is caring and it saved them as far as being able to fend for themselves until they completed it which at this point now that it's complete and they're feeling like they're invincible because the black flame candle went out and they're not gone suddenly sarah and mary start to Fade away. And that's when Winifred realizes what this whole thing meant. And the book, the book earlier on, didn't say this earlier, but the book has an opinion. The book has feelings. We know this because the book didn't want to cast that spell to begin with.
0: The book knew what was going to happen.
1: And already seen it once before. We see a very vulnerable Winifred at this point. She realizes that her sisters have faded out of existence, and they did a nice little callback to the original again too, with the way that the sisters went out when the sun hit them. It was like Mary was like "bye bye," and Sarah was just like "goodbye." She says it in a very sing songy way, and they did that again with them fading out, and it was really nice to see that again before Winifred realizes what she's done and starts to crumble and feel heartbroken i mean
0: as much as she wants to live forever and be all powerful she doesn't want to do it without her sisters if she right. had taken the time to read the fucking label she wouldn't have
1: cast a spell <laughs> rtfs read the fucking spell <laughs> warning <laughs> <laughs> so she breaks down a bit and asks the book for one last favor if there's anything that it can do to help bring her sisters back to her. And sure enough, the book opens up, flips a few dozen pages and presents a spell to the new witch, Becca. And he asks her to go ahead and perform the spell, which she does. And Becca casts the spell of reuniting, which we find out. Means that she will be reunited with her sisters and we're all very happy. And then she starts to fade I away. Know. I mean, no, because she starts to fade away. They finally thought that they had it. They finally were like, the black flame candles out and we're still here. We don't have to worry about the sun coming up anymore. But then Winifred starts to fade away too. And it doesn't bring her sisters back to her, it sends her to them. And it was honestly kind of a nice ending.
0: Yeah, it had a very satisfying conclusion to it. Yeah, I mean, Gilbert was somewhat right earlier when he tried to say the Sanderson sisters were good. They're not good, per se. I mean, they were, you know, the, sucking the souls of kids out of their body. But, you know, beside that, they really cared about each other. And as you can see from, like, the intro, that they, everything they've done has been for each other to protect each other.
1: Yeah. Yeah, the whole story is actually interesting in that sense because the sisters aren't necessarily being bad to be bad. They're just living their living their best life, protecting their family, being themselves, you know. And you can't fault them for that. Right. I mean, you don't eat children's souls. That like that's just something you don't do, but you can't fault them for just being themselves. That's fair. Being a family. I mean, you definitely don't eat. Kid
0: Souls.
1: (laughs) Yeah. No, so we see this is kind of where things close out. We learn that, you know, there's a new witch in town. So there is the possibility of kind of a continuation in the sense that we might get to see, you know, a newer witch, Kevin. Kevin works. What do you call a gaggle of witches? A gaggle of witches. And Then we close out with what appears to be the same Raven from before, which means Mother Witch is still around. We don't get to see it. Hannah does not show up again. This is some bullshit. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it was it was kind of interesting that there wasn't like a little bit of a revisitation there, but we do get the inclination again that there could be more to this series when we roll through credits and find a stinger that involves Cobweb the kitty finding a second black flame candle so it sounds like gilbert did his you know extra work on making it happen to make sure there was another available if something happened to the first one well
0: if you're going to go through the effort of making one you might as well make a second
1: one Uh, exactly
0: that that of a hangman is probably pretty hard to come by so might as well get as much as you can when you get it which i'd also like to know how a 12 year old kid or how old he was gets the fat of the hate. Yeah. Even for that matter, how does the 20 or 30 year old get that?
1: Yeah. <laughs> so let's get into the writing a little bit. There was a couple of things that I also thought was interesting was having a second black flame candle seem like a silly excuse for a stinger in a way, because I think of it from more of what I've been learning recently in how the behind the scenes stuff works for shows and movies is when there's any kind of props involved there's usually several props in order to make sure that if something does happen to one of the props they can quickly and easily replace it or continue to use it however it may be as far as the function of the scene and so you know there was a second black flame candle because the prop department's gonna have that under control you feel me your whole beef here is (laughs) (laughs) that the the prop department is going to have a second one. And I'll remind you,
0: we don't actually see a black flame candle. We see a box that
1: says black BF number two. That's true. It does say BF number. And obviously the idea is black flame number two, but you never know if the acronym could mean something else. Could mean anything else. There could be nothing in that box. Maybe he intended
0: to have two and it fucked up so bad. He threw it away. Wasn't it visible? No.
1: It was just in the box. OK, literally, it's just a closed box. Yeah, maybe it is empty. we don't know. And that could be the excuse that they use if they don't continue the series is we showed you a box that suggested that there could be another candle. But what we weren't telling you is that it was a lie. No, there there were a few different kind of plot based silliness that came into play that it was good for what it was, but I still hoped for more. For example, the girls earlier on when they finally reconcile and figure things out because imagine your friend is throwing a party and I mean, granted in the case of what happened here, she was trying to make sure that her dad was safe and figured that the best way to make that happen was to rat out her friend so that he would go home. But I felt like she just wasn't mad enough about that. I felt like Cassie should have been a lot more upset that her party got crashed i would
0: agree with that yeah
1: you know? not that it was yeah. the right thing to do just that it was not enough anger <laughs> and she got over it too quickly
0: well and then the time it takes for the girls to get from the fair
1: to cassie's house she gets it cleaned up real quick and changed out of her costume yep costumes just not even present anymore just kind of a silly thing but then they also go into talking about you know they finally go into their reconciliation as they're discussing the misunderstanding and it's just that classic trope of miscommunication they're oh i thought you were mad at me no i would i thought you were mad at me and that back and forth it's just well if you guys would just you know act like the friends you suggest you are and talk to each other this wouldn't have happened yeah i would have changed that i mean they're
0: at that point where things are changing and their interests are changing like that could have been the you know the core of the problem between them but now it's just oh nobody wants to talk about what's going on
1: yeah i mean just an age-old story plot to to utilize there so as far as things that I might change about the movie. Of course, you'd hit the nail on the head earlier. I would absolutely would have had some sort of Binx-like talking black cat again, just because that was what drew me in as a kid. I remember my love for black cats definitely stemmed from having one, but also seeing one in the movie. It was just something that was like, as a kid, I see my black cat and I look at the black cat in the movie and I'm like, oh, you guys are the same and I love you and you're the best. And also, I wish you could talk just like the cat in the movie. So definitely a personal element to it, but I would still have liked to have figured out a way to incorporate that into the new one because it felt like a character that they could have done something extra with. You know, there's always that animal-like character that tends to be kind of the star in a lot of ways, and that could have been something for this that I feel like they kind of missed an opportunity on. I know you did, buddy. I'm biased, though, so and I'm willing to admit that. But Gilbert, I would have reined him in just a touch. His lines were a little just too excitable almost the whole time. I never felt like Gilbert was in any in any particular amount of fear at any given point, knowing that his life was on the line and everything. I felt like he just seemed a little too bubbly. And so I probably would have figured out a way to to tone that that
0: down a little bit. And see, I actually, I liked Gilbert's character. And for me, I would have liked to maybe have seen that expanded just a little bit, you know, maybe a little bit more of a hint that, yeah, he has magic powers. Like, I'm making assumptions based upon what I know of the movies. For all I know, that's a, you know, a goof on their part, and they didn't think it through kind of deal. Yeah. I'd rather it be, yeah, he's got some kind of magic power, so I'd like to see just a little bit more proof of that. You know, I probably would have tried to, you know, we have this character of Sandy's caramel apples.
1: It could have been Danny's caramel apples. Could have been something similar to the original, yeah.
0: Correct, just a little extra. And, you know, I think I would have liked to have tried to flesh out a little bit more with, Hannah's character and how she plays in, or just maybe in that other scene. Like she's got great screen presence and she's there's interest there. And obviously she's been around and she's got this power and she's still present as a raven. So you know, let's have a little bit more to her.
1: Yeah, I can agree with that. Not a lot not a lot that I can think of changing though, to be frank. This is another one where I feel like the way it was written, it really flowed well. It was it was a nice continuation, especially since David Kirshner was still on the writers group for this. Obviously, he he held true to to his original feelings on the way that he did the first Hocus Pocus. Uh, I think that's about sums up our
0: feelings and thoughts on it. Yeah, I'm not I my changes would be those kind of small things. The overall core of the story, you know, how it all plays out pretty happy with it just be some minor details to make it a little less tropey or a little less predictable
1: yeah i would also i'm gonna throw in there that i would add a little bit more throw callbacks to some of the original characters and stuff it was a little bit of a let down to not get as many kind of tributes to the original because they know we love that kind of fan service stuff. Yeah, I agree. All right. all right. Well, that is our thoughts on Hocus Pocus 2. Definitely a worthwhile movie to enjoy. If you have Disney+, be sure to give it a watch. Of course, I'm saying this and realizing hopefully you've watched it already if you've listened to this point, so.
0: Or maybe we've just
1: encouraged them to watch it. True. Could be that. And sorry for all the spoilers, but not really.
0: Yeah, maybe they enjoy it more after being spoiled or they just don't care. I'm going to hope for the best. I'll be optimistic.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Thank you so much for joining us this week on our episode of We're Too Literary. Next week, we will be back with another exciting movie that is going to pay a little tribute to an upcoming movie. But, you know, we'll save it for then. I'm not going to spoil now what it is because we can't spoil everything for you. So. That's fair. We
0: probably shouldn't, because then, yeah, you know, we have to hold to it even more. Exactly. What if we change our minds? They'll never, never know.
1: You never know what's going to happen next. But we thank you very much for listening to us today. We really appreciate you being here, enjoying our podcast. If you're listening on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever it may be sure to hit that follow button, drop a comment. If you can, leave us a review. Tell us how you think we're doing how you're enjoying the show so far what your favorite part was did you watch hocus pocus 2 would love to know we're also going to have our website and email up and running here by next week so get ready to be able to submit your questions and or comments or feedback we'd love or, to hear from you in any way
0: yeah we can't improve without your feedback
1: so drop us a line thanks again for joining us <laughs> we
0: we appreciate it
1: <laughs> and we'll catch you next week Take care.
0: Get you next week.